Welcome to the ARPA Animal Shelter of the Week podcast, where we introduce you to incredible organizations around the country that are focused on helping animals. We're proud to be sponsored by Dubert.com. Dubert is a free website designed to connect volunteers with rescues and shelters, and the only site that automates rescue relay transport. Let's meet this week's featured animal shelter. The Columbia Humane Society was formed in 1943 to provide shelter and care for Columbia's abandoned animals. They began in a little structure on Creasy Springs Road, but have now grown into the Central Missouri Humane Society. They are a regional animal welfare agency caring for thousands of animals annually and providing veterinary care services for pet owners in Boone County and the surrounding areas. Their mission is to promote the well-being of companion animals that enrich the lives of the people who love them. Hey, Michelle, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, we're super excited to have you. Uh, uh, this is one I'm I'm really stoked to, to learn more about. Um, why don't you start us off and just tell us a little bit about um, your organization? Okay, well, first off, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm so thrilled to be doing this. Um, so a little bit about us. Uh, we are the Central Missouri Humane Society, and we are located in Columbia, Missouri, which is kind of smack dab in the middle of the state, right between St. Louis and Kansas City. Um, we have been in operation since 1943, um, and we were originally um, um, we were originally started to provide care and resources to the homeless and unwanted pets in mid-Missouri. At that time, there was no organization in our area that provided assistance to pets in need. Um, last year was our 75th anniversary in operation, and we are so proud to continue to serve this community. Um, we are constantly looking for ways to evolve as an organization so that we can better serve this community, and we have made some pretty amazing strides, um, especially in the last 10 years. Um, 10 years ago, we had a less than 50% placement rate for animals coming into the shelter, and today in 2019, we are at a 97% placement rate, which we are incredibly proud of. I I can't even fathom that. Less than 50% 10 years ago and now you're at 97. That's yeah. that's huge. It is. Yeah, we have made some really big changes um, and we have just a really dedicated um, staff that just goes above and beyond incredible volunteers um, that help make our mission possible and um, we are just so thrilled to be able to um, present that to the community. Yeah, so you mentioned a couple things, right? The live release rate, which I is phenomenal, and I'm kind of curious on how you guys focused your attention on that piece of it. So I do just want to talk about that for a minute. 75 years in animal rescue is like an eternity. Yeah, it's a, it's a very long time. Um, and Columbia has a population of about 120,000. Um, so we're not a massive, massive city, but we're not a small town either. Um, and we take in about 3,500 animals a year. Um, so it's amazing. We've been we've been serving this community for so long, and this this organization has um, persisted through all these years. It's really incredible to represent this organization um, that has such a long standing in this community. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I'm I'm amazed by both of those uh, facts, um, and I also think that you mentioned you've been with the company for about seven years. Again, that's a pretty long time to be with an organization. Um, do you have other members that have been around? that long as well. What does that look like for you guys? We do, yeah. We live in a college town, so we definitely have some turnover with our part-time staff, um, with, with people graduating and moving on um, to other careers. Um, but most of our managerial staff has been here seven plus years. Our executive director has represented us for 15 years. 
Um, and we have other staff members who have been here respectively 18 years, 16 years, 10 years. Um, so we are really proud of that. I mean, it just really shows the dedication that these individuals have towards our mission and towards this organization. And what we do is possible because of the, the tireless work that they put in. Definitely cool that you guys have been around that long. And, and I'm I'm really proud of you guys for getting to 97%. That's not an easy feat. Um, so congratulations on that. Thank you so much. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about what your community looks like. Um, you mentioned about 120,000 people. So why don't you maybe tell us a little bit about some of the challenges that you guys have uh, for people and for animals, uh, and then maybe some programs that you have that are that are focused on trying to help the community. Okay. Um, so yeah, we're located in the college town. Most people know us as um, being the home of the University of Missouri Columbia. Um, so we do have a lot of students here. It's a pretty diverse population. Um, and we also have a lot of families in Columbia. Um, it's a great place to raise a family. Um, it's a really kind of intimate, close feeling. Um, a lot of people know each other. So it's a great town to, to grow up in and, and to work in. Um, and we've been very blessed over all of these years to receive so much support from this community. Um, and we believe it's very important for us to give back to the community in any way that we can, whether it be providing services like spay and neutering or creating programs that are going to directly benefit this community. Um, and some of the programs that we offer, um, we have a very robust volunteer program. And with over 3,000 animals coming into our shelter each year, volunteers are a vital resource for us. Um, we rely on their compassion and generosity to make the work that we do possible. And they change lives every year by assisting in the direct care of animals, helping us to fundraise, and leading community events. Um, we also have an incredible foster care program. Um, animals with special needs need special people. And our dedicated network of foster parents care for animals temporarily and provide specialized care until they're ready for adoption. I love that. Uh, actually, you said that pretty perfectly. Um for the fosters and the and the volunteers and yes that's true right volunteers are definitely the heart of organizations uh it definitely sounds like you have their their support in that um so i want to kind of to break that down a little bit more because you mentioned you're in a in a college town um and so i want to talk about what that looks like for you guys so you have college students right they're there for a few years and then they're gone uh you said it's also a community full of families and how does that play into the amount of foster homes that you have and and are you guys okay with that are you looking for more kind of tell us a little bit about what impact the college town has on your foster program um so we have like i said an incredibly dedicated network of foster parents um, over a hundred foster families that care for a mixture of dogs cats small animals um, whatever's coming through the door um, and these people are dedicating their time and their energy um, out of the goodness of their hearts to care for these animals that need that specialized care and that extra TLC. Um, and they're really helping us to provide these animals with the tools to set them up for success in their new homes. Um, we are always looking for, for more volunteers and always looking for more foster parents. Um, one of the challenges that we have seen is most of our foster parents are already animal owners. So when we have um, certain animals that may be um, reactive with other animals um, or maybe need to go to a home that's, uh, and be a solo pet, sometimes it's difficult to place them because most of our fosters already have animals in their home. Yeah, it's definitely a challenge, right? Um, the good news is that you have dogs and cats and, and small animals as well. And so it sounds like you have an array of, 
of animals depending on the the volunteers situation but so is it the big dogs then that are the biggest challenge yeah typically bigger dogs are harder to place just because some of them require a bit more care um, or a bit more space you know depending on if you live in a small apartment um you know a big dog that maybe has separation anxiety might not be the best best choice for your lifestyle um, so especially some of those bigger dogs that have some behavior issues like anxiety or separation anxiety um, or fear aggression, um, things like that, those can be a little bit more difficult to work with and take a little bit more time. Um, so making sure that we're finding the right foster um, that has a setup that's going to benefit that animal um, and we're setting up our fosters for success as well. Yeah. So when an animal enters your shelter from the time they enter and they go through your intake process till the time they get adopted, what is that what does that time approximately look like for you guys? So our length of stay um, is right about 30 days um, for on average for all the animals in our shelter. Um, ideally, we are always hoping to decrease our length of stay and place animals in loving homes as quickly as we can. Um, not only do we want to do a lot of adoptions here and get animals out of the shelter, but we want to make sure that we're setting our adopters up for success um, and making sure that we're making the right matches. Um, so that we're finding the right homes for these animals um, so that they don't end up back in the shelter. Yeah, so it definitely sounds like you're taking your time, right, to make sure that the match is right. And that's, I agree with you, that's a crucial piece. You don't you don't want to just hurry up and and place the animal, right, and then find out 30 days, 60 days, 90 days later that they're back in the shelter because you didn't take the time to make sure that the match was right. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I always, um, I always tell people coming in that are looking to adopt to, to not have any expectations, to come in, to get to know all of our animals, to spend some time speaking to our staff members that know these animals so well, um, and just spend some time with them because you may end up finding an animal that's perfect for you that you may not have considered before. And you may come in looking for a puppy and end up leaving with a senior animal. Um, so you never know. I think fate works in mysterious ways. So I just encourage people not to have any expectations and to just spend some time finding the right one for them. Yeah, that's a, a that's a great reminder, right? We all have perceptions of certain kinds of animals. And so that limits, right, the the options for you. So I think the open-mindedness is a, is a great reminder for everybody out there when looking for an animal. Let's talk a little bit about um, feral cats. So it sounds like you guys have a couple options or a couple programs built around that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what that looks like? Sure. Um, so like a lot of places in the country, we definitely have quite a few colonies of community cats um, that were just born outside and that aren't suitable to be adopted uh, because they are so under-socialized with humans. Um, they can quickly, especially in the spring and summer months, reproduce. Um, and a lot of times abandoned kittens will end up in our shelter. Um, over the spring and summer. Most shelters call it kitten season, where you just have kittens coming in from March to October. Um, so we are very overwhelmed with that. So we're trying to do all we can to get to the root of the problem. So we work with um, the University of Missouri and we work with Second Chance Rescue here in Columbia to, um, to connect with, with people who are, are noticing these colonies in our area and to humanely trap them bring them into the shelter and get them sterilized and ear tipped and then released back into their colonies. Um, we also take cats in that uh, may be under socialized and, and not considered adoptable into a home, but that may be just semi-feral um, or, you know, just, just slightly under socialized that may do better in some sort of a barn home. 
So we have a barn program for those type of cats. Um, we want to give every animal that comes in our door a chance. So our barn cat program is a great way to place those cats um, that ideally wouldn't like to be indoor cats. So you work with two groups uh, for the TNR piece of that. I love the idea behind the barn cats program. Would you say that that's the main challenge in your community um, as far as the animals go? Does it seem to be the cats or are there other challenges that you see uh, in the community? Um, there's definitely a challenge as far as the cats go. Like I said, they can reproduce so quickly. So making sure that we're monitoring these colonies and getting as many fixed as we possibly can, especially before the spring and summer when they start reproducing, um, is definitely important. It has definitely been challenging. Um, also, um, outside of Columbia, there are quite a few rural counties that don't have any sort of um, resources for lost, stray, unwanted pets. So we try and do all we can to extend our resources out to those rural counties as well, so that we're not just helping the animals in Columbia, but in the surrounding areas as well. Yeah, very cool. So I like that you guys extend your reach um, and that you guys are open to those partnerships and working with, with different people to kind of tackle a universal problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely like that. So talking about the spaying and neutering, um, is that a program that, that you guys are working with others on? Or is that something you're taking on on your own? Is that a low cost spay and neuter program? Tell us a little bit more about that. So we, most people know us as an adoption facility, but we also offer low-cost spay-neuter services here at the shelter. Um, we also offer vaccinations and microchipping services as well. Um, something that's kind of unique about us is that we have a relationship with the University of Missouri School of Veterinary Medicine and their shelter medicine program. So through this program, veterinary students provide spay and neuter services and comprehensive health exams for some of our shelter animals each week. So this program teaches and enables veterinary students, veterinarians, and our shelter staff to save lives by preventing disease outbreaks and using the most current medical practices to give every shelter animal the best future possible. How did you guys partner with them? How new is the program? Can you give us a little bit of background on what that looks like? So this program has existed for quite a few years before um, I was a part of this organization. Um, and I'm not sure how that, how that relationship started, um, but I know the university um, is very supportive of our organization, especially being the only open door shelter. Um, it's a great benefit for them because I think that they're encountering certain illnesses um, and ailments that they they may not um, they may not come across just in veterinary school. They get to actually um, you know treat these animals and get some really hands-on experience. Um, and it's also allowing us to provide more spay and neuter services to pet owners in the community, especially for those that can't afford to go to private veterinarians for, the, for spay and neuter services. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point. So I'm, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you brought it up, right? Owning an animal is one thing, but the care for them is something completely different. And although we love our animals, sometimes the medical side of owning an animal can be difficult and quite expensive. So I love that you guys work uh, with the university and I love that that opens up um, your organization to help the community on, on that level. Absolutely, yeah, and we're incredibly thankful to the University of Missouri School of Veterinary Medicine. They are fantastic, the doctors, the students, um, we're just, we're huge fans and they, they do a great service and I think it's a really symbiotic relationship for us both. So I see another program that you guys have um, is the Animal Safety Net. So our Animal Safety Net program is one of our newer programs. Um, this program was created to support survivors of domestic violence and their pets. 
Um, we have found that many people in abusive situations struggle to leave their abusers because of the fear of leaving their animals behind. Um, we know from a ton of research that a lot of people that abuse animals as children will end up abusing people as adults. Um, so through this program, we provide temporary housing and care for animals until survivors can find safe and permanent housing. So how did you said it's a fairly new program? So who had the idea? How did you guys develop it? And the reason I'm asking is because coming up with new programs is always really difficult. And so I think this is a great a great program. And if somebody else was out there was looking to set something like this up, help them understand how you guys came to this. What are the steps involved? What are you doing to progressively change the program to help more people? So we noticed that there was a need for this program because we actually got several calls um, throughout a year from people that were looking for temporary boarding. Um, and as, as far as our shelter is, we really don't have um, the space to care for animals um, in, in a boarding sense. Um, but we wanted to do something to, to build our resources and build something so that we can support these domestic violence survivors. So we started conversations with one of the local um, domestic violence shelters here in Columbia. And we just kind of started a conversation about how, how we, can, we can help these survivors and, and, and um, help care for these pets. Um, because some of these people really do stay in these terrible situations because they don't have anywhere for their pets to go. Um, there are not currently any domestic violence shelters in Boone County that allow pets. Um, so we just found that to be absolutely heartbreaking. And if there was anything we could do. So we, we just sat down and kind of, um, kind of brainstormed and, and kind of created this program. And I know there's other shelters um, in the country that have programs similar to ours. Um, and so we take these animals in and we, we hold them on a monthly basis um, and you're, you can uh, renew your contract with us as well so that we can keep them longer. Um, and what we really like to do is place them into specialized foster homes that are set up specifically for this program so the animals don't have to spend the time in the shelter where it is very stressful. They can be in a very low-stress, enriching, loving foster home um, until that, that owner can find permanent housing that is safe for them both. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really great. Conversations uh, and the idea of working together, I, I think, is key. So the fact that you recognized that you were getting similar calls, right, and decided that that was a problem, uh, you know, to reach out to, um, you know, other organizations and try to figure out how you could do that, uh, I think is incredible, right? Every animal that you keep in your organization cost money and they don't get the time and attention that they need, right? So working with dedicated fosters uh, is something that I I originally didn't think of, right, until you brought it up. So I think that that's, for me, that's an interesting piece. Uh, and you say there are other organizations out there doing the same thing. I've yet to come across one. So I think it's really innovative what you guys are doing. Yeah. And that for that program, um, when we originally came up with this idea and knew that we needed some help, um, we actually got some grant funding from Maddie's Fund, which was amazing that they were so supportive of this. So when we initially started it, um, it was all because Maddie's Fund provided us with a very generous grant to kind of kick it off. Yeah. So, of course, right? Anytime you, you create a new program, there's costs involved. So the fact that you're recognized by other organizations and, and one such as Maddie's, I think is that speaks volumes, right, to your dedication to the community and to the animals and to also have that recognized. So that's very nice. So we talked a little bit about the volunteer side of things. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the outreach programs that you guys offer? 
So we try and, and give back to the community in any way that we can. Um, being in operation for 75 years has really been made possible by very generous supporters and donors and volunteers in this community. So we do all we can to get out there and engage the community, um, whether it be through adoption events, um, just community engagement events. Um, we welcome people to the shelter at any time to come for tours. Um, we've even hosted a few birthday parties um, here at the shelter for kids. Um, it's been fantastic. Um, and we also offer a humane education program. So we actually will go into schools um, and we will engage students, especially elementary school age. Um, and the program was designed to benefit the community by teaching respect, kindness, and compassion for animals, especially in the youth population of Columbia. Yeah, I mean, the next generation is really where it's at, right? So I think it's very cool that you guys are are involved in that and uh, going to local schools. Um, how long have you been doing that? And do you get good feedback on that? Was that an easy program to set up? We have had a community education program for about a year and a half. Um, so it was a little slow getting off the ground because making contact with schools um, and fitting into their curriculums can be kind of difficult. So we're actually kind of revving it up right now and hoping to um, to really get out there for summer schools um, and start to hopefully get into, into five, six, seven schools um, over the summer school period. You know, and as an organization that's been around for 75 years, I think it's important to keep innovating, right? Finding new ways to involve the community and the kids and, and different aspects of that. So nice to see new it's nice to see that you guys have new programs out there absolutely and and kids in this in this community you know they are the future and um you know many years from now we want to make sure we did everything we could um when they were children to empower them and instill compassionate values so that they can grow up to be advocates for shelter animals everywhere so I want to, I, you know, I was looking at your calendar on the website and I see that you guys do adoption events pretty regularly within your community. Do you want to kind of take a minute or two and, and kind of talk to us about what that looks like for you guys and how people can sure. find out um, if so you're yeah, going to be near them? We do a lot of community events. Um, we love going out to events. We have an, a community engagement coordinator um, and that is her job to engage the community, to get out there to events. Um, we work really closely with PetSmart and we go out usually every, every other weekend um, and do an adoption event at our local pet smart store um, which is fantastic and then being in a college town we actually do a lot of events on campus as well um, so lots of different student groups um, are interested in having us come and bring animals and talk about our organization and engage the students to get involved as volunteers or as foster parents um, and then a lot of times during the end of the school years we'll do uh, rent a puppy where we'll bring animals to the college campus and um, we will collect donations um, and allow these these kids to um, pet the puppies and, and let off some steam, especially around finals time. That's pretty cool. So that's a program that I've, that I've never heard of before. So can we just take a minute and, and talk about what that looks like? Um, so you literally just hang out at a college campus and spread the love. Is that how that works? <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, and, you know, at an animal shelter, you never know what's going to walk through the door. So I can't, you know, we can't promise we'll have puppies at any given time, but puppies are excellent to take to events like this. Um, you know, finals in college can just be so stressful. And we know that research has shown us that even just, just petting a dog can really bring your cortisol down and really um, just lower those stress levels overall. Um, so yeah, we've we've been invited by the university to go over it and by certain student groups, and we'll just set up for a few hours and um, just pass puppies around, and it's amazing the response that we get, and to really see some of these students just relax, even if it's just for five minutes. 
Um, and a lot of times we end up having at least doing at least one or two adoptions at these events as well. So um, it's a great way to get the animals out there and continue to, to um, lower our, our length of stay overall. Um, but it's a great way just to, to interact with the community and uh, see the benefits that it's having on, on people in the community. Yeah, that entire time you were talking about that, I, I couldn't stop smiling, right? Because I, because I know how truthful that is, right? Just being around them for, like you said, even five minutes makes all the difference in the world. Um, you know, and around specific times in college, you're right, it is extra, it, it's extra stressful. Um, so I love that whoever came up with that idea just thought, well, I don't know, let's go hang out at a college campus and give out puppy kisses, right? Like I... <laughs> Right, exactly. For me, and it works, right? It's community support, and like you said, you can walk away with an adoption or two at at any given event. So that's a that's a really cool piece. Yeah, and a lot of college students too. You know, they they have pets at home that they've had to leave behind. Um, most college students live in a dorm their first year, and most dorms don't allow pets. So I know that that can be kind of heartbreaking to be away from a pet you may have lived with, you know, since you were you were young. Um, so getting involved in the shelter by becoming a volunteer or a foster parent is a great way to to get that puppy love or that kitty love that you're you're missing without having to make that lifetime commitment. Yeah, it's a great it's a great point. I love that. Um, and so, do you have a where can people find out about these adoption events? Like, where are you guys located? Are you do you work with One Pet Smart? Can you tell us a little bit about where that information can be found and and the locations, maybe. Okay. Um, so yeah, anyone interested in learning more about um, upcoming events can always check out our website at cmhspets.org. We have a community calendar on there where we share everywhere we're going to be. Uh, we also post on our Facebook page several times a day, and that's uh, facebook.com slash cmhspets. Um, and on our Facebook, we have over 20,000 followers, which is amazing. Um, and so we have a lot of great um, a lot of great responses to our Facebook posts, and we always post the day before and the day of whenever we're going to any sort of community event. So you can follow that page and stay up to date with where we're going to be. That's excellent. So one more thing that I really want to kind of quickly talk about um, is you guys have a, a sponsorship program called the Shelter Me program. And so this is for people out there who maybe want to just donate and sponsor a, a kennel or a cat condo for a year. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, about that opportunity? So our Shelter Me program is a very, very cool opportunity um, to do more than just write a check or send in a donation to us. Um, so for a flat fee for a dog or a cat kennel, um, you send in a donation and you are sponsoring that kennel for an entire year. So every animal that comes through our doors and that is housed in that kennel is cared for because of your generous donation. Um, not only do we send something out when you make your donation, we also put um, a nice custom-made flyer on the cage so that people know that you've made this donation. Uh, we have a lot of donors that like to make the donation in an honor of a pet they may have lost um, or in honor of a fam family member. Um, and then we also are going to recognize those Shelter Me sponsors in our annual report. Yeah, a great way to not only support um, financially, but another great recognition. Uh, I know as individuals, we're always looking for ways to be recognized. And I think this is a really cool opportunity for people uh, to kind of get involved and help support your organization. Absolutely. And to impact multiple animals as well, because there are so many animals that are coming through our doors. And so, you know, the number of, of dogs that may be in that kennel that you're sponsoring, you know, you're not just impacting um, one life, but you're impacting many. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys have an annual fundraiser uh, that you put on. And I know that's not coming up for a few months yet, but do you just kind of want to mention what that is and, and what they can be on the lookout for? 
Absolutely. Uh, Whiskers and Wine is our biggest fundraising event of the year, and it's coming up on October 24th. Um, so this event is a semi-formal gala that features both a live and silent auction, as well as a gourmet dinner and a full program. Um, and it's really an event to celebrate our donors who continue to support us day in and day out. It's a great great place to network, great place to just have some fun. Um, and for those unable to attend, we have several underwriting opportunities available um, to sponsor the event and show your support as well. So now I finally want to hear your memorable story. So I've, okay. I've put everybody on suspense for, for 25 minutes or so, um, and I hear you have a good one. So I am ready when you are. Um, well, working at our shelter, there are so many memorable stories that come to mind and so many moments that I am incredibly proud to have been a part of. Um, one situation that was particularly meaningful to me took place a few years ago. It was a very cold February afternoon when I noticed an old station wagon pull up to the back of our building. And it had just started snowing outside and everything was covered in this thin layer of white. And as I approached the vehicle, I saw this sea of eyes just staring back at me through these foggy windows. So I approached the driver's side door and spoke to the owner who informed me that she had been involved in a house fire and she and her father had barely escaped with their lives. They tried to save as many of their animals as they could, but unfortunately, some of them had perished in the fire. Her father was still recovering in the hospital, and for the past three days, she had been living in her car in the hospital parking lot with all of these animals. They lived an hour away, but they were familiar with our organization and came to us for help. The owner made a very selfless decision to relinquish the animals to us, as she had no resources and no way to care for them. So I went inside and I rallied my staff together, and one by one, as the snow continued to fall, each dog was passed through the half-open driver's side window and into the waiting arms of a staff member. In total, we pulled 31 dogs and two cats out of that station wagon. They were mostly chihuahua mixes, some were adults, and some were unweaned puppies. We gathered crates, we started drawing up vaccines, the dogs were understandably terrified after going through something so traumatic. At that time, our main priority was getting them thoroughly evaluated by our veterinarian. Uh, most of them had suffered from smoke inhalation, and we wanted to be sure we were doing all we could to treat and manage it and any other health issues that they may have. Several hours later, all of the animals were vaccinated, bathed, and safe in their kennels. Thankfully, they all recovered physically. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes it's the scars you can't see that take the longest to heal. Um, so we placed most of the dogs in loving foster homes where they could receive specialized care and extra TLC. And with lots of love and positive reinforcement, they all began to come out of their shells and we were able to place every single one of them into loving homes. We even reunited the original owner with one of the dogs and made several trips to his home over an hour away to provide resources to not only his remaining animals, but to him as well as he was still struggling to rebuild his life after he had lost so much in the fire. Um, when you walked up to that car, you said there was a sea of eyes. Did you have any idea that there was 33 animals, 31 dogs and two cats? Did you have any idea? I had no idea what to expect. and. The station wagon, you could smell smoke coming coming out of it, so I had no idea what to expect. 
Um, and when she started handing me dog after dog, I just kept thinking, where are these coming from? There's more, there's more. Um, so yeah, it was a very emotional moment and I was so, so proud of my staff that day, um, for just stepping up. It took so many hours just to get them all out of the car into crates, um, accounted for. We knew every one of their names by the end of the day, um, and made sure that we were providing that extra TLC and specialized care because they were so scared. Um, and that was that was a moment for me that I was just incredibly proud of my staff and really just saw the the compassion that they have for animals and how they just really went that extra step. Yeah, um, geez, like I don't want to say I'm speechless, right? But that is on so many levels. There's so many things I think about that. One is like you said, the selflessness of the owner to hand them over, right? Knowing that they lost everything and that she couldn't care for them. Um, with everything else on their on their plate, and so that had to take a huge amount. I I don't even ha- I don't even have the word for that, right? I mean, to to love those animals like your own, right? I mean, that was probably their entire life, right? And they're in this fire and they're losing everything, and and she tried, right, living in the car and trying to do what she could, but you know, just to give them over to you guys and to know that she could trust you to do that, I think speaks volumes. And it's not just your community. Like you said, they drove an hour to get to you where I'm sure there was other organizations that they could have went to, but th- she was putting her trust um, in your organization to to care for them and to find them homes, I think is huge. That's a great story, Michelle. Thank you for sharing. No, oh, thank you so much. It's, it's one of my favorites and it, it definitely um, brings up emotions even to this day. Yeah, I, I can see I can see why. Um, wow. All right. So as we near the end of our time together, um, there was one more thing that I know we missed um, that I definitely want to bring up is you guys are doing something really cool, um, trying to get specific breeds placed in your community. And you mentioned to me uh, a grant that you guys received for DNA testing. Do you want to kind of talk to us a little bit about what that looks like and, and what that means for you guys? Absolutely. Um, So living in a college town, we do have a lot of potential adopters that are renters, um, and some of them are held back from adopting specific breeds because of restrictions placed on them by their landlords. Um, So to sort of combat that, um, in addition to just starting conversations with landlords um, and housing agencies, um, we received a grant from Maddie's Fund to purchase DNA tests. So we ordered these DNA test kits and some of these mixed breed dogs that are coming in that may be classified as a bully breed just based on appearance um, or dogs that are are having a more difficult time being adopted. um, We can go ahead and DNA test them and we get the results back within five or six days and then we can post that DNA information up on that animal's cage. Um, It breaks it down into every single specific breed that they are. Um, And we can share that with potential adopters and they can even take that information to their landlords um, if their landlords are are, um, apprehensive about a specific breed and they can show them the breakdown and and what these animals actually are genetically. Yeah, it's really genius, right? Because as we know, we we judge, right, on on first sight and that can be damaging to a dog, right? It, It basically takes a small chance that they had and makes it zero, and so to go that extra step and and be able to prove that, you know, I think is huge for not only the the could be adopter, but like you said, to the landlord, where they might be able to to make a case for themselves and save that animal where they you know might not otherwise. 
Absolutely. And it's just a, it's a great way to, um, to encourage people to consider adopting a dog they may not have considered before. Um, and also to kind of um, address any sort of behavior issues um, that that animal may have based on certain breeds that they are um, and allow us to better address those and treat, treat and manage them. Absolutely. I actually couldn't agree more. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great piece. And, and thank you to Maddie's for working with you guys and, and allowing you to, to do uh, to take that extra step. So we'll wrap things up here, Michelle. Is there anything else that we didn't get a chance to talk about that you want to mention? Um, I just really want to take the opportunity just to thank all of our supporters and volunteers for making the work that we do possible. Um, while the work we do can be very difficult at times, for us, it is always worth it. And being an organization that has been around for 75 years, it really would not be possible without the support of this community. And everything that we do is because of them. And so I'm just so thankful for that support. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to the future. And I hope that we can rely on that continued support as we move towards um, a bigger and brighter future. Yeah, beautifully stated, Michelle. Well, thank you again for, for spending some time with me and, and educating me a little bit about your organization and the programs that you have. We've truly appreciated having you. Thank you so much. It's been a privilege. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. If you're not already a member, join the ARPA to take advantage of all the resources we have to offer. And don't forget to sign up with dobert.com. It's free and helps automate the most difficult tasks in animal rescue.